And therefore we're back. I'm back. Yay. I'm back. Yes. Again, sorry. Sorry for the holiday because uh, it meant there was <laughs> there was no pod last week. But uh, back, refreshed. We went about as far away as we probably could go. You know when you have to go far away just for it to be a really a holiday? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like if you flew, I don't know, two hours or you stayed for us in, in Europe, it it would still feel too close to home. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. Do you know what I mean? So, you, so you've got to like get away away. So we went far away where you, it was, you know, we're talking palm trees, beaches, tropical. Um, so no thoughts of work, no thoughts of, so you could, so basically, so you could all really switch off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And. Oh, that's nice. It was, yeah, it was, boys had a great time. They kept making friends. Um, every day there was like a different friend. Um and they were shooting. When we got there, we found out they were going to shoot for three days or four days a Bollywood film at the hotel. Oh, okay, nice. And um, I've never seen a Bollywood film. I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen one. It was the most incredible thing to watch film. But I felt really sorry because apparently the, the leading actor and actresses, uh, actor and actresses were super famous in, in India and Bollywood. Uh, I, I didn't know who they were. They're super famous. And there was this one scene and we're sort of lying by the pool on the beach watching them film. They put this cube, it wasn't a glass cube, but it was like a reflecting cube, massive cube box thing in the sea, right? Then they got their lead man and woman to stand on it. It's about 30 degrees. And she she looked fabulous, but she was dressed in, I can only describe it as Baco foil. Oh. Imagine she's got sort of six inch heels. She's wrapped in, literally wrapped in Baco foil, standing on a reflecting box in the sea, in 30 degree heat. <laughs> I mean. Wow. I mean. Well, the good news is she's going to earn a lot of money. So. I mean. There you go. I know we talk about suffering for our art, but that. And and I think the fella with her didn't. I think he kept messing up. So we're talking 15 takes in Baco foil on the box in the sun. But it was. Uh, no, it was, it, that, that was amazing. Just to see them. Apparently, it's a film that's going to be released in November. And this was a four minute song within the film. Um, but just to see how it how they went about it was was amazing. So that was that was fun. So yeah, it was good. It was restful. Um, I did get a couple of I did get a couple of messages from various broadcasters about doing tennis bits. You know when tennis news broke, but I was very good at saying no, I can't. You know, I'm away with the family. So it was a total it was a total switch off. Um, which in a way is bad. Yeah, but you saw, but you saw the tennis news coming through, didn't you? I mean, you can't stop tennis news That's coming through. That's not a total switch off. <laughs> you, you can never get away. Tennis, it's. I, I have to admit, every day I'd, I'd look at my. I wouldn't take my phone out with me, but I'd look at it once a day. And then when we got talking to people, the new kind of the work I did, they'd walk up to me and they'd just ask me about tennis stuff or some football stuff. So, but it wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't working, but I was. I was keeping an eye on things but it was yeah no it was I think we were ready to come back there's only so much you can eat and drink in the space of a couple of weeks before you realize you've got to get back to it um but it was amazing and so while I've been far far away far far away you have been moving away you've moved congratulations yeah I wouldn't say away I've actually moved closer to you so that's oh. <laughs> I mean, not that much closer well, but a bit I was closer. gonna say it's not that much closer to be fair no, I, I know, I'm edging, edging, but I'm in your direction. Uh, yes, no, I, uh, I've i moved house. Um, what an intense experience. Everything went perfectly smoothly, uh, except we had our dining room chairs stolen. But stolen? You know, we sort of thought, 
Yeah, but from we where? Thought, you know, well, how? Like, there was how? about an hour. There was an hour period where they were in the front garden of our old place, uh, where they were unattended and in that hour period they were taken uh so that was a bit unfortunate but do you know what if that was the worst thing that happened not a big deal well i I, i'm glad you've moved away from that place if they're going to be stealing your your dining room furniture i can't believe that (laughs) oh wow yeah i know i couldn't believe it maybe they thought it was sort of you know when people leave it out and say oh this is free take it but we thought we were only going to be an hour and we thought it wasn't long enough, but there you go. So anyway, yeah, but no, all moved in. I'm surrounded by boxes, uh, a million and one things to do before Madrid starts on Monday. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, uh, yeah, no, all good. Exciting times. But the thing is, where, okay, where do you want to start with the tennis news? Because hmm. it's, it's piled up. And again, we're not a news service, but there are so many things to address, to talk about. We're... we're Pick a subject, pick a topic, pick a person, pick a pick a whatever. Where do you want to go first? Well, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been busy, hasn't it? I'm sort of glad we didn't do pods for the last couple of weeks <laughs> because we would have been. I, I just I, some of the times I just didn't even know. I didn't even know what I thought, what I would say, any of it. Um, I suppose we have to start with the biggest news. It is still news that. Uh, there are no uh, Russians and Belarusians competing in Wimbledon and the British Grass Court tournaments. How about starting there? Seems like a significant decision. <laughs> it's 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 huge, isn't it? And I think as as we speak, because there has been a press conference recently at the All England Club, they are yet to make a decision whether support staff who are Russian and Belarusian will be allowed at the championships. As things stand at the moment. It is the now we've seen through this year that there have been decisions made on teams. So a Russian team, the Belarusian team, cannot compete X, Y, and Z. But this is the first time it's it's been targeted is the wrong word. The that it's been about individuals. It's been about individuals who cannot compete. So what was what was your first thought when this news came out that it would be the individuals representing Russia and the Belarusians who couldn't compete? Well, I was sort of eased into it because I'd heard conversations. I knew how seriously the LTA and the All England Club were taking it. Um, you know, there's been a call from our government to essentially do just that and end business with Russia and not promote the Russian state in in any way. Um, and obviously it's a British tournament, a British organisation in the LTA. So yeah, it it had been it had been rumbling along with the conversations and the, the real problem was that, that there was such big resistance from the ATP and WTA of course. Uh, and and that is definitely I think the main concern because it's one thing if you think of if it was a different sport it was it was one thing if there was a governing body that sort of runs the sport and they made a decision or even if it was the olympics and the ioc makes a decision the the difficulty with having so many different governing bodies uh doing different things and wanting different things is where that's my that's my that's my main concern really is how it's going to play out sort of internally within within tennis um and as we speak, ATP and WTA haven't 
made any sort of um, decisions or, or moved anything forward. They've just said that they're looking at their options, I believe. Um, and and I, I suppose they want to sort of defend their players, but it's not really, def- it's not about defending them. It's, you know, Wimbledon haven't attacked those players. It's just, just a, a, a yeah, a very horrible situation, um, really. Some will say it's a brave decision by Wimbledon. Some will say it's a sensible decision by Wimbledon. Some will say it's a, right decision by Wimbledon I think though it's it's the repercussions just looking at a basic one of individual contractors the day-to-day business is it's winning points it's winning prize money you have to keep winning the points you have to keep up the pressure there are 2,000 points for the person who wins Wimbledon and I heard it mooted that would they take away points therefore would Wimbledon just become a big exhibition because how unfair is that when you're giving everyone else the opportunity to earn all these points and and the Russians and Belarusians, through no fault of their own, don't have that opportunity? Not necessarily. Yeah, but they can't do that. You can't punish everyone um, as a response. I can't. I can't see how they would end up at that decision. But that doesn't. They would, but doesn't that yeah. just make it a level playing field for the others? Because you're not taking away the money, but the points. So you'll still be earning. But is it? Isn't it just fair if you take away all the points, then then everyone's in the same boat rather than leaving a group of people who... This is when it becomes difficult, doesn't it? There's all these little things that... And I think it's easier when, if you go to ban a country, it's easier because a lot of the time, when you... A lot of the time you have countries investing in federations. So the Russian Tennis Federation will have a lot of help from the Russian government, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not saying that individual players throughout the world aren't backed supported by their government at, at, at some level but it's harder in this situation and one thing I, I picked up from the Wimbledon uh, press conference was they said they were guided by government guidelines in the UK which put them in sort of one or two boxes it was to get the individuals to come out and condemn the war in Ukraine or you ban them as a whole. And if I was left with those two options, if they were my only two options, I would lead to I would lean towards banning them. Because on the other hand, you're saying to someone who's, say, a Russian, you're saying, get them to stand there and say, this is wrong. Look, we all believe this is wrong. But someone who comes from Russia does that. I don't know. Does that endanger family members who are in Russia? Does it endanger them? What if they were to come out and say they are in support of of the war because there will be people out there who are in support of it how does that i don't see any good coming out of making individuals stand up and say for or against because it's easy for you and i to say we're against us and it's a terrible thing there'll be no repercussions for us or our family but to make people from um the belarusians and the russians come out with a statement like that would it could be dangerous in some respect so if if they were looking at the guidelines and they were the two options, I see why they landed on the sign of, of banning them completely. But then at the same time, tennis is about individual contractors and these guys and girls are making their living and, and they are stopping them able to do that. It's it's difficult, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think, I think look, there, there's no way they could have asked them to declare anything. No. And I know that possibly some of the Russians, you know, Rublev was saying that... that they would have signed something or, or done something or don- donated money, but um, you just can't put them in that position, um, no. I'm afraid. And like, it's just absolutely not possible. I don't think that would have been a consideration at all. Um, the thing is, is that I understand that people think that it's not fair. 
And I think that it's not fair for the Russians to play. But it's not about... Women haven't made this decision to be fair. They're not doing it to try and level the playing field. They're doing it because they believe that it's right. They're doing it because they've been told to by their government. And they're doing it because they recognise that they actually have... They are a huge tournament, a huge organisation, a huge sporting event uh, across all sports. And they actually have a bit of a platform uh, in in that sense, and and do they want that platform to be used for Russian players to be lifting trophies and whatever else that might mean? So that's where it's difficult because the WTA and ATP is saying, well, it's not fair, and it, you know, and I think Wimbledon are probably saying, well, yeah, we know, but this is the decision that had to be made, uh, and it also it's just not, it's not just Wimbledon; it's the LTA as well. So that's the British Grass Court events: Queens, Edgbaston, Eastbourne, uh, Nottingham as well. And so, and and that's where it sort of falls down is, you know, Djokovic's statements. And again, I can totally understand that people are uh, angry that it's not fair. But sometimes things aren't fair when it comes to these decisions. I believe that Shahar Peer, being an Israeli um, uh, player, uh, couldn't get a visa to play in a tournament. So then she couldn't play in the tournament no one's saying oh well what about the points that she wasn't able to get and and also that sort of thing happens quite often on on the the quiet where visas can get delayed and you can't get to tournaments yeah it's not fair they didn't get the chance to play that tournament but it's you know you're not going to sort of stop things I know it's different that it's been banned but but it's it's that that's the issue really is that one side want it to be completely fair regardless of what's going on in the world and the other side says well look we would love for it to be fair but the things going on in the world are more important so where does that leave the sport moving forward I've just got no idea it's difficult isn't it because it it's punishing individuals who've done no wrong and you mentioned the likes of Andre Rublev and, and a number of Russians and Belarusians have come out and said look we are against this this is horrifying this is is nothing to do with us we just we just want to play tennis and so in effect you're punishing these individuals on the other hand, people talk about sending a message, sending a message, and that has to be a blanket message, and you cannot have exceptions. Wimbledon talked about they don't want to fuel the the Russian propaganda machine. I mean, uh, look, I I don't see it. I I wouldn't. I don't see a Russian winning Wimbledon this year on the men's side anyway. But but were Medvedev to go and, and lift the title, how that would how that would be a, a positive for Russia, how that would do... Do you see what I mean? How that would actually work in, in the favour of what they're trying to do. But but at the same time, you have to take action because what they're doing is wrong. And unfortunately for them, they, they come under the um, umbrella, the Russians and the Belarusians, and action has to be taken. But it, uh, it's I mean, I'm it's not, difficult. I, I'm not... I'm not a political expert at all, but like no, nor I, I, I <laughs> uh, but I'll give it a punch. Is, is this I? is this coming uh, across in this podcast? <laughs> this is easy, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I just think that you know when they talk about the propaganda, there's obviously the propaganda of the players doing well when they're winning, but there's just the general pro- propaganda uh, and censorship that that is happening out there in terms of you know the Russians just a lot of Russian citizens just not knowing what is going on and just not not understanding. Now, if Wimbledon 
um, did what Andre Rublev suggested and just donated the money and gave a million pounds or whatever it was to um, to Ukraine and to help. He was saying, well, that would help more. But, you know, that would not get reported in Russia. And they would have no idea that, that would happen. However, you can't not report on Daniel Medvedev being like not allowed to play at Wimbledon and Sabalenka and Pavlyuchenkova and, and all of these players that you, yes, of course they're going to spin it. Of course they're going to use propaganda, but it, it, it 100% will cut through and it will potentially, well, it will cause some questions to be raised in within the, the Russian people, whether they're shut down, who knows in terms of, as I say, with the propaganda, you know, they'll, the, the machine will just sort of wind up again and they will spin it as best they can. But it just increases the pressure of all of these things that they're having to try and, and bat away. And it will definitely penetrate by the fact that there will be huge amounts of Russian tennis fans in Russia that love watching Wimbledon, love watching all of those players and the Belarusians as well. You know, they are huge tennis nations. I mean, you know, they're, they're the defending champions, although they're not going to be able to defend in Billie Jean King Cup and, and Davis Cup. Yeah. You know, Medvedev was just world number one a matter of weeks ago. So there's so many fans there that are going to go, well, they're not in Wimbledon. And they're going to ask the questions why. And sure, the answers aren't going to be truthful, but at least those questions will be asked. Whereas... I suppose that's that's the argument from Wimbledon in terms of fighting the propaganda, I guess. Yeah, it's it, it, it's hard not to see it as the individuals being punished, but then you look at the bigger picture and if Wimbledon were looking at the the two options of, of getting them to stand up and say I'm for or against it or or banning them as a whole, maybe this is, is the kinder option, together with not wanting to 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 give fuel to the Russian propaganda machine, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's maybe this is the kinder option, but it's it's going to be interesting to see as Wimbledon and the grass gets closer, how this winds up. You know, is it maybe not talked about at all? Is it just accepted as a fait accompli? And this is what has happened. Do you see what I mean? I know, um, it, you know, is, are the other players, are they just, maybe they just have to accept it, right? Maybe they just have to, there won't be any comeback on this and we will just get on with it and they won't be at Wimbledon, then we'll move on. And then they'll be back for the, for the US hardcore season. I, I don't know. But it's going to be interesting to see, do the US Open do something about this? Do they take a stance? Do other people take a stance? Or, or will it just be Wimbledon with this stance? It's, it's, it's going to be strange, whatever happens, not to see those, those familiar faces that we're used to seeing there. But as you say, we're not politicians. <laughs> I think that might have come across in this podcast. But it's it's a huge talking point. I remember we talked about it's, it's possibly something that could happen. And I think Wimbledon have done it in good time. And I think they've laid out the reasons very clearly for everyone. They're not hiding behind anything. They've just and they've said that there's possibility for it to change. But you you can't see that happening either, can you? Because there there is there seems no end in sight to the atrocities that are happening right now in Ukraine for for there to be a change of heart at Wimbledon. So we'll just have to accept that there'll be a number of players that uh, that we won't be seeing on the grass this year. Yeah, and it's tough to accept. I think it's tough to accept even for the people who are very supportive of the decision. I think it's just, it, it's it, look, it's a terrible situation all around. And, and as I say, I you know, my main focus is, you know, I'm not really saying sort of my opinions on it my main focus is where does this leave 
tennis because at the moment it's mm. feeling quite fractured and it's feeling quite sort of attack and defend and, and that sort of thing. And, and that's what um, makes me very uncomfortable. One person who will be at Wimbledon if he's fit, who can play Wimbledon, is Novak Djokovic. Because it is indeed. He's, he's allowed in and he's allowed in because, well, COVID regulations, well, at the UK, they're, they're pretty much gone. Are they all gone? I think, are they all gone now? Where we are? I think so. I think everything's gone. Are they all gone? Sometimes, I think in certain situations, if you go to the doctors, I took my stepfather for his COVID booster, booster, booster. I think this is like number four. You have to wear masks. But largely, we've just come back from holiday. There was no passenger locator form. There was no test to be done. There was, so it's it's pretty much people, people can come and go as they used to. They can. And um, it means that, Djokovic is going to have a full clay and a full grass court season. Um, we'll see where it's at with uh, the American hard courts after that. But um, yeah, it could have just been a, a one slam and a, a couple of Masters events that ultimately he, he had to miss. So um, yeah, he's just working his way back. I worked on Belgrade. Oh, okay. So, so tell me what I was very, very happy that Rublev won. Very, very happy. But it was one of those at the end of that final... Very long speeches from Djokovic, but it's the Serbian Open. But positives for both. Positives for Rublev, he crossed that finish line. He beat the number one player in Djokovic, he got that trophy. And positives for Djokovic that he got those hours back on court. Yeah, and Djokovic won a lot of three-set matches from a set down and he got a lot of time on court. I think it was really good for him because he played Monte Carlo. He lost in the first round to Davidovic Fikina terrible draw who obviously made the final and then he went to Belgrade now they're both sort of like home tournaments for him he lives in Monte Carlo Belgrade is Belgrade and it's his hometown so you know he was just absolutely adored you could just see how methodically he was just slowly building his game that's what was so fascinating there was no panic there was no none of that it was just Every sort of two to three games, you just noticed that something was tightening up a bit. It was just, oh, that's getting a bit better there. That's not as loose as it was. And then it, you know, all all those things. And he, he was just addressing things, problem solving through matches. As I say, responding really well. His problem was that he kept getting off to a slow start. So he went down a break all the time and then lost that set. Uh, and then was able to pick it up. The way that he played in the quarterfinals in sets two and three against Ketsmanovic was so good and uh, he really found an incredible level on return um and he did the same against Hashanov returned in- incredibly well um in the final he ran out of steam he'd had a lot of three set matches uh he really tailed off in that final set it was a brutal physical match uh just as he did in Monte Carlo against David Shakina totally tailed off in the in the final set but when I say tailed off as in uh, he just hit a wall and you very rarely see that from Djokovic so fitness is the only issue to be honest, um, he said that he'd had an illness uh, that really took it out of him. So he's still recovering from that. But he, twice in his two losses, he's basically fought incredibly hard physically to win the second set and then just hasn't had anything left in the third. It, it's funny when you were working on that final, I was I was watching football with the boys, actually, and we were messaging and I was hoping that Rublev was going to do it. But I have such little faith because Rublev always seems to have such little faith in himself, <laughs> especially when he comes up against that upper echelon of play. And we've seen it time and time and again that that is where he's faulted. And then you'll listen to interviews and Rublev's like, oh, I could get better. So many things I can improve. And oh, I'm not sure. And you're like, just believe in yourself. And I remember when um, 
the, the leveling up at, at one said all. And I, I immediately was like, oh, he's going to lose now. And I, I shouldn't have doubted you. Firstly, because you are the expert. And secondly, because you are watching this match played out and you'd watch the tournament. But you were like, yeah, no, Djokovic is done now. And I was like, I still think he's going to beat Rublev. And you're like, no, 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 he's done. I was like, no, I, I think he's still. And then uh, a time later, I was looking at the scores. I was like, wow, six love. He really was done. So <laughs> so can I apologize for doubting you? But it, it was just this this little faith I've had in Rublev because he's given me little faith in himself with, with all this negativity. So I apologize for doubting your expertise and the fact that you were actually watching the match. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he just, he, he was just completely toast. Um, but Rublev was, was great, played really well. Um, you know, huge improvements for him, his 11th title. It's all good stuff. It's now just got to come together in some big tournaments. So disappointing for him that he won't get a crack at uh, you know, the British grass courts and, and Wimbledon, of course. But, um, you know, talking about going deep in grand slams deep 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 in grand slams and uh and deep in in masters events as well i mean he's made i think he's made two finals i'm just sort of remembering my my stats from a week ago but i think he's made two masters finals but uh yeah i mean that's where you know he'll be knocking on the door um and i'm sure he'll get a major breakthrough soon enough another big news uh emma radicanu who she's always in the news has always been in the news since she won the US Open for very obvious reasons. And then it's been a a sponsorship deal. It's been looking for a coach. It's been, sadly, for injury she's picked up along the way. And once again, it is looking for a coach because she has split with Torben Belts. Now, it's an interesting one when I talk this through with you because, you know, the family, you know, a little bit more about what's going on. I was, and you might say you weren't, even if you didn't know the family but I was surprised at the timing in the split with Torben Belts were you were you surprised that that relationship didn't last longer especially with everything she said in the sort of the splitting statement when she said we had this chemistry with this relationship are you are you surprised it didn't last longer than it did um I mean yes and no I mean I don't have any inside information so I didn't know that it was coming um but I, I'm not surprised because if it's not working, they're just going to finish. But did you yeah, think it wasn't? It. Did you think it wasn't working from what you'd seen? Because the the statement is like was lovely, wasn't it? Great chemistry, had such fun. This it's it's wonderful. But from what you'd seen on court, did you feel it wasn't working? Yeah, I did. I I I didn't really see any significant improvements. Um, you know, Emma and her team are the sort of people that want results fast she's an incredibly fast learner and can just sort of implement things as and when she needed to um so yeah I've, i mean i hadn't really seen many changes in in the game i mean there's 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 clearly some areas that she needs to focus on to help with her confidence and it's just one of those situations it's chicken and egg isn't it you know you're low on confidence so things fall apart a little bit more technically if you have any technical vulnerabilities normally they're not there when you're feeling confident. You know, the Zverev second serve is one we always go back to. And, you know, his serve is monstrous when he's feeling good. And he just seems like he's completely unbreakable. And then uh, as soon as he gets nerves, in it comes. And it's just, you sort of think, how is this guy in the top five? It's, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, 
So it can really uh, dramatically swing. Uh, and so for Emma, so some of the technical vulnerabilities have come to the surface. Um, she's low on confidence. How can you gain confidence if you've got technical issues? So you need to start somewhere. I think, you know, I personally think for her it would be best to, to sort out the technique, um, the shots, the clarity of thought of what she's doing and then and then go from there. But it's um, it's difficult uh, for sure when, uh, you know, I think she made a comment after Stuttgart saying, Oh, quarterfinals of a tour event if you told me that this time last year I, that would have been like the best thing ever so yeah it, it's such a it's such a bizarre situation but it's equally as bizarre for the coach I, I mean how do you coach in that scenario it, it's it's very difficult I mean she's a fantastic student to have but everything else going on you know it's not an easy prospect and let me ask you because I think from the from the outside near you know, the headline Radicanu splits with another coach looking for her fourth coach I think what since July so people from the outside who maybe don't know tennis or know it a little bit will think well hang on a second is there is is there something wrong with her is she not coach or what's going wrong surely that's not normal but from someone who has played the game has been a 19 year old looking for coaches I mean it's how tough is it to not only find that relationship that works but then you add in in her case She's got the world watching, not just the tennis world. She's got, again, people that the lady in, in the chemist near me still asks about her every now and then, together with Djokovic. Whenever I go in to get sort of prescriptions for my parents, she's either asking about Emma Raducanu or Novak Djokovic. So so how hard is it or was it for you when, when you were younger? And you're still growing. You're st- OK, she's won a Grand Slam, but she's still growing. She's still learning. And now she's got the world's the world watching her every move. I mean, how how tough is it when you're trying to to build a relationship with who at first can be an absolute stranger, but you want to rely on that stranger to, to help you and progress you? Well, I think the hard thing is, is that Emma's not one of those players who has had a long-term coach. Yeah. Um, and we do see it a lot. I mean, you talked about the uh, speeches in Belgrade. We had uh, lots of Novak Djokovic's team, including Marion Vida, speaking um, at the, the presentation ceremony. And, you know, he worked with Vida, I, oh, I think it was 15 years maybe he worked with him for. And then even Isovic overlapped and now he's taken charge. But he was with the team for years before being able to do that. You know, you think about Federer with Severin Luthi, even Davidovich Fakina, uh, his coach Aguera, They've been working together since he was nine years old. He was crying when, uh, I can't remember which match it was, whether it was when he beat Djokovic or when he won the semi-final. But, you know, there are a bunch of players like that who have that sort of uh, coach that they've had for a very, very long time and there's somebody that they trust. And, yeah, Emma's just never really had that. Yes, okay, she when she worked with my brother, she worked with him for a couple of years. She then worked with her next coach, Alistair Filmer, for I think about you know two to three years. Um, but that's more because you're sort of based somewhere. You're okay. not yeah. really, exp- you know, she, as much as they were coaching her, if she stopped working with them, she'd still be based at the centre. Like, you know, she, her school was at the centre, like everything. So you're just sort of there. Like, you, so you're going to change coaches far less often because there just aren't many coaches around. Um, and then since she's obviously been professional, she just hasn't hasn't had that. So I think searching for a long-term coach is, is sort of impossible because she doesn't know what she's looking for. She's not had that before. You don't know what works. And hey, look, and even the very, very best, somebody like a Novak Djokovic worked with Marion Vida. When they f- split the first time, it did not go well. And he had to get back. And it was pretty much as soon as he got back with Vida, he sorted everything out. He had six months where Djokovic was all over the place. 
And then Vida came back in, um, sorted everything out, and then off they went again, back to utter domination. So, you know, even somebody like a Novak Djokovic, who you think would know what he is doing, can completely go awry when the right people aren't in place. So I think that the pressure on her to find this coach and find this long-term coach is a bit, it's, it's, it's way too much. And it's just misplaced because as I say, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't know. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what sort of um, tactics she goes with next, whether she goes with a Svitolina type model where Svitolina had Asioni, Jerry Asioni doing the main bulk of the coaching at home. And then Andrew Bettles was delivering it on the road. That would be something different to what she's done. Whether she just work, yeah. she's talking about working with the LTA support team. There's lots of different routes she could she could go down. So I think we'll start seeing her try and change things because looking for that one-on-one coach, it's just not working. Yeah, Ricardo Piatti, the most recently the coach of of Yannick Sinner has been mentioned. I think I remember something. Was it the Mark Petchy said because he worked with her for a bit? He said she she is the player and and she has her her dad Ian as a, as a part of everything as well that will take bits from people and soak it up and then move on to the next bit and take the other bit so it's just I think I remember Milos Raonic CEO of Team Raonic he would do a similar thing wouldn't he he would get people that he wanted to take a certain bit from and then move on to someone it sounds a lot more brutal than it is do you know what I mean though but you work with someone because you think actually this person can give me this yeah but in one way it is brutal because you're sort of hiring and discarding people quite quickly yeah um but on another level i've always found that there's actually so much respect that comes from her and her dad and her her family towards everyone even people who haven't achieved anything they really feel like everyone has something that she can learn that they can learn and they they want to know what that is they want to find it and so they have a real respect for as I say, everyone and for coaches that ordinarily people would just sort of dismiss as like, oh, they're no good. They don't have the, the right credentials. They are so fascinated. So it, it does work both ways. If you just look at the sort of hiring and firing, it looks really brutal. But I personally think that in their interactions with coaches, they are in, they're really respectful in a way because everybody's got something. They, they're always looking around. Like, what can we learn? Even if it's just one thing, they'll they'll take it. So, yeah, I think there's a, it, it's a bit of a, a different a, a different approach i guess people just aren't used to it but also people don't realize that in britain the culture of having long-term coaches especially from childhood as sonigo has as david Rakina has as plenty of them um it doesn't happen no it just it doesn't happen here it's not encouraged it's a cultural thing within british tennis it's very much sort of you have a coach for a time and that is how we work here and i, I think that's quite unusual uh, to be honest, I think it was maybe similar in the States, but they've just sort of exaggerated that part of it. But really, that's how everybody works here. And I think that's an, that's an interesting point um, for people to know. Now, during that, you mentioned chicken and egg, which reminded me. Do you remember I was talking about the Easter Bunny finding us on our tropical holiday? Oh, um, so can you make it? The Tooth Fairy wasn't needed, wonderfully. I think he'll be needed soon. The Easter Bunny made it, but as I was hiding eggs as Easter Bunny um, I hid loads in our sort of uh, apartment we had a ground floor garden led out wonderful I thought I'd hide some in the garden you know they could really go searching the garden um, so I did that the night before 
the next it's quite a hot country but I thought it'd be cool enough in the morning the next day I got up early I went out you'll be pleased to know I went out for a run try and burn off some of the excessive amounts of food and drink I was consuming and they'd been eaten something had eaten the eggs in the garden it, it freaked me out a little bit so in some cases the the wrappers were still there but in other cases the whole eggs had gone and you're sure it wasn't your children no they they were knocked <laughs> out by sun and swimming they were they were far because when I got back no it's when I left in the morning when everyone was asleep so this was really early in the morning it kind of scared me a little bit something had come out of the foliage and taken the easter eggs something had eaten them don't know what the only things I'd seen are really big snails and like little geckos little lizards but something had so that that freaked me out a little bit and I had to admit that because there was just wrappers and bits of chocolate lying around um yeah so but I left plenty inside so yeah Easter Bunny found them Tooth Fairy wasn't needed. Sorry, I just remember that from our from our life. <laughs> no, <laughs> very important. It's very important, very important and slightly scary when those eggs were taken away. Now, something that just just I feel that maybe it was talked about, and that's when I was on a plane. Maybe it was usurped by another piece of news. Maybe it's not big news. Is that Patrick Moratoglu is now the full time coach of Simona Hallop? It's just not big news. <laughs> That's big news. That feels to me like that feels to me like Serena Williams, long time, long term, full time coach, is now full time coach of Simona Hallop. Because that starts you thinking about Serena Williams as we've talked about recently, post tennis, leaving tennis, will she come back to tennis? And then Simona Hallop, I mean that shows her intentions, doesn't it? Getting Patrick Moratoglu full time. Yeah, no, good news for for Halep, for sure. I think um, it's a fascinating uh, mix of personalities, that one. It's not one I would have picked, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see how how that ends up. But yeah, I I don't know with Serena. She's been away for so long. You can't blame her coach for being like, look, can I work with someone else? (laughs) Where are you? What are you doing? Um, you know, I think it's 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 sort of fair enough. So, um, yeah, I don't think that means anything for Serena. I think it's still the same situation. But, uh, yeah, good news for Halep, although I am intrigued to see the, the dynamic. What, when she starts yelling at the box? <laughs> I think I think Patrick Moratoglu just smile. I <laughs> just because uh, as, as she, you know, she admits she does get a little bit angry at the box. Someone I'm just going to talk about every week while she's still doing what she's doing, although she has pulled out of Madrid to rest herself for the defence of Rome than going to Roland Garros, is Iga Svantec. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, fourth consecutive title, 23 matches in a row, Doha, Indy Wells, Miami, Stuttgart, seven career titles, and she's only 20 years of age. I mean, it's, it's, I, read, I read a stat somewhere that she's won 30 matches this year and she won 36 in the whole of 2021. It's just ludicrous. It's like, what a run. What a run that she's on. I mean, obviously given a big boost as well by becoming number one. Yeah. Surely she's going to win the French or Wimbledon. Or surely. Both. Surely. Everything. She's got to get one Everything. of them, isn't she? Everything. Uh, Wimbledon. Uh, Wimbledon's always is always the tricky one, isn't it? It's. Uh, I would say Roland. Surely she's got to be a hot favourite for Roland Garros. Surely, yeah, hot favourite. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I think Wimbledon. She's going to be the favourite everywhere now. I mean, Wimbledon. She won juniors there, so she can play on grass. She just hasn't played on it much as a professional because of COVID. Yeah. So okay, if I asked you now, who's going to win Wimbledon? Would you say Shontek? 
I would say Sean yeah, for Wimbledon. I, I'm I'm less convinced for Roland Garros. Are you? Um, yeah. Well, just because it seems silly to say Sean for both, so I might as well say something different. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you're going? That's my logic. So you're not going for the one that she's won. <laughs> you're no. going for the one that she won as a junior, but not as. Ah, oh, see, that's interesting. I I think I remember that. Didn't I ages ago when we were being told off by a couple of our listeners for not talking or praising about Nadal as much as we should have been, although we were saying lovely things about him, that I, I think I said then and there that he's going to win Roland Garros. And I know he's had injuries since, but he's he's announced he's back in Madrid, which is good news. Um, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stick with, I'm going to stick with Nadal to win Roland Garros. I, it, although that might not seem like a leap. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not, I haven't wobbled from that at all, even despite recent injuries. And and, and despite Sitsipas tempted, Sitsipas, you know, defending his Monte Carlo title, were you about to say not tempted by Sitsipas? Yes, um, I think that I think that Nadal and Sitsipas probably going in on an equal footing in terms of favoritism for the event. Ooh, wow! Okay, do you know what was hilarious? I had a look at the bookies' odds and okay. get this one. I mean, most of them are sort of fair enough. Um, not, not, I don't bet, but we were just having a conversation the other day as to who the favourites were. Yeah. And Dominic Team fourth favourite, which I thought was absolutely ludicrous. As much as we love Team, of course, and we're excited that he's back. I mean, come on. He's, he hasn't played in a year. I mean... He's not going to win it. Fourth favourite. I think... Wow. I think it I think it did go... Who... Okay. Nadal, Sitsipas, possibly Alcaraz Team... Hang on, was, uh, maybe hang, Djokovic. Whoa, whoa, oh, was team know. was team ahead of Djokovic? No, he can't have been ahead of Djokovic. <laughs> anyway, it was just stupid. It was absolutely stupid. So wow. uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, it's great to have Dominic back. Maybe next yeah. year. Maybe next year. Yeah, look, he's talked about hasn't it because it's so wrist heavy his style of tennis, and he's talked about. It. He said, "Look, finally, I can start to work on it." But it's taken this long for me to be able to put in the work I need to do with my shot making for my style of play for the wrist injury I had and 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 he's always been a kind of I always think of Vavrinka like a diesel engine you know they take a little bit of time to get going and when they get going they're absolutely phenomenal but team as you say it's really nice to see him back it's really nice to see he's pain free but I think also he's you know mentally and physically he's got to get himself back there because he's been out he's a sensitive soul he's been through an awful lot He's a Grand Slam champion, but it's going to take... And we know that really his driving force now is winning Roland Garros. We, we, I think everyone crowned him uh, Nadal's heir apparent because we thought, yes, Dominic team, it's all going to happen on clay. Then it starts to all happen on the hard courts and then he gets injured and then he's away from the game. And we know that his motivation now is to win Roland Garros. But yeah, no, he cut... Wow. He can't be anywhere in the betting for Roland Garros, surely. I mean, no, I know. I mean, that's it's just because he's he's been in the final. Nice. Um, anyway, I know that we are out of time, yes. but uh, next week I do want to have a, a quick chat about the uh, Pam Shriver story that was out about uh, her and her coach uh, recently. We just couldn't squeeze everything into this pod, so we will touch on that next week yes no absolutely and there, there will be more probably emma radicana will have a coach confirmed and other decisions will be made elsewhere and there is there is so much going on but we are you have moved house i am back from holiday so yes onwards onwards with the pods busy season busy coming up. season coming up but lovely as ever to chat and yeah we'll be back next week yeah see you then bye